feeling better, looking better, making life better. It's Life Tips. Life, life, life. We'll explore the latest innovations, introduce you to the latest products, and bring you the tips from experts and environmental pioneers to help you lead a better life. Life Tips. Life Tips. Life tips. Making your life smarter, better, faster, wiser. Here are your hosts. Welcome back to the Life Tip Show, everyone. I'm here with Amy. Amy, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Amy, my first question is, why only 13 things mentally uh, strong people don't do? I'm, I'm hoping to hear about 100 of them today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get, I get asked that question a lot. People want to know, is there significance with the number 13? And the answer is no. I just felt like my list was complete and comprehensive. When I got to number 13, I felt like I was done. I didn't stop necessarily because it was an, an unlucky number or because it was lucky or anything like that. But I felt like those are really the thoughts, the feelings, and the behaviors that tend to hold us back. Terrific. Tell us about these strong people that you are, I, I, you know, ideologically referring to. Um, is 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 probably uh, a lot of very strong people or strong thoughts and behavior patterns that you're observing that are part of the book. But define strong for me, you know, and 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 how you discovered these these uh, these practices. Well, to me, mental strength is really about, it's a three-pronged approach. It's about your thoughts, behaviors, and feelings. So it's in part regulating your thoughts so that your thoughts aren't overly negative or overly positive, and then managing your emotions so that your emotions don't control you. And then the third part is is behaving productively despite whatever circumstances that you're, that you're in. And, you know, I developed this list, and most people don't realize this, but it started out as a list, to, as a letter to myself. I'm a therapist. And so it's sort of the skills and things I'd been teaching people over over the course of um, a number of years since I started working. But I had gone through some personal experiences in my life. In 2003, my mother had died suddenly from a brain aneurysm. And I had to figure out how do I still work as a therapist despite what's going on in my personal life. And if you fast forward a couple more years, it was the three-year anniversary of my mother's death that my 26-year-old husband died of a heart attack. Oh, and and then if you go forward a few more years, my father-in-law was diagnosed with terminal cancer. Mm. And so at that moment, I sort of sat down and I wrote myself this this letter of what mentally strong people don't do as a reminder to myself, sort of based on my education, my experience, and everything that I knew. i just never seen it written down in one place. And then I chose to publish it to the web in hopes it might help somebody else. But then it went crazy viral and got millions and millions of shares, and then Forbes magazine picked it up, and it became one of their most read articles of all time with 10 million views. So from there, we were able to turn it into a book. So I was able to explain the story behind it and give some more information now about how how do you actually avoid doing these 13 things. Emotional strength is something that I know you believe you you need to physically work out, much like we work on the health of our bodies. Can you talk a little bit about that workout that you feel we should do and even how this checklist should fit into it? Yeah, you know, and mental strength has a lot in common with physical strength, like you say, because if you wanted to be physically strong, you'd have to have good habits like going to the gym, but you'd also have to give up bad habits like eating junk food. And I really wanted my list, I feel like we all know like the good habits, like, okay, you should think positive and that sort of thing. But we often don't talk about the bad habits that are sort of counterintuitive to our good habits. And so I wanted this list of the things that can hold you back, even if you only do them, say 10% of the time, and you have 90% good habits, they still sort of 
bog you down and keep you from becoming the person that you want to be. And so my list is about, you know, the things that we all do sometimes, but by becoming aware of them and developing a consciousness of them, you can choose to stop doing them. And so, for example, the first one on my list is that mentally strong people don't waste time feeling sorry for themselves. And that's one of those things that I think all of us have done at one time or another when you encounter a, a major challenge or tragic circumstances that we tend to feel self-pity and self-pity is more than just feeling sad or feeling bad about stuff. It really exaggerates how bad your life is and keeps you focused on the problem rather than the solution. But once you're aware of that, you can then take time to say, okay, I'm not going to do that anymore. And what do you do instead? Well, one simple exercise is to practice gratitude every day in your life and say, I'm going to be thankful for what I have rather than focus on what I don't have, or I'm not going to think about all the things I think I deserve. I'm just going to be happy for, for what I do have in my life. And that can be really instrumental in, in reaching success and sort of getting yourself to that next level. Of the 13 things that, that mentally strong people don't do, what is the most uh, difficult to ignore or uh, you know, get over or correct yourself on? What do you think the hardest one of these 13 things really is to, to not practice or avoid? Good question. You know, I think it's interesting to me when people read my book and some people will say, you know, chapter four, number four was the one I struggled with the most. And somebody else will say, oh, I got that one down. It's number seven. And so it seems like everybody has certain, you know, Achilles heel that will hold them back, but that it's different for people. But one of the ones I hear um, most often is is people when they talk about um, not making the same mistakes over and over again, where people will say, you know, gosh, how many times do I say, I'm never going to do that again, only to then next week they do it again, whether it's I'm going to lose 10 pounds and this time I'm going to keep it off. And then two months later, they find out that's not actually what happened. Or somebody says, you know, I got in a fight with my spouse and said some things that weren't so nice. I'm not going to do that again. But then they do it, and whether it be a month or six months down the road or even the next day that we end up repeating the same mistakes because we don't take enough time to learn from them. Now, that, of course, is the definition of sanity. Just wanted to point that out, <laughs> doing, doing the same thing over and over again without any different result. Um, do, do, you, do you talk about that at all in the book and how some of these, these weaknesses that we have uh, bring us to this state of, 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 of mental disarray and, and, an, and often an inability to function on a serious note? Yeah, it really does. You know, and I think as a therapist, I have so many people who come into my office and they'll say, you know, I'm sort of at my wit's end. I've been trying to do these things. I've been trying to make these changes in my life and I just can't get to where I want to be. Help. And we talk about, okay, well, what's, you know, what are you doing that's good? But also what are the things that you're doing that are holding you back? And sometimes it's just a few little minor changes in their life. But when they do them, it just really propels them forward and they're able to, to reach that next level or to start feeling much better about themselves and Often it doesn't really take that much time and energy. It's just making it a priority and then becoming aware of what it is that you're doing in your life so that you can extinguish some of those bad habits that are holding you back. This is a, a question that I'd love to ask you. Why do some people feel so compelled to reveal everything on their mind and talk about it with such impassion? I like calling it emotional diarrhea, which which I am also, <laughs> which I am also guilty of on on rare occasion. No, just kidding. If you ask my wife, probably all the time. But what is this driver inside of us that makes us want to, uh, you know, almost punish ourselves and hear ourselves talk about? 
things that are frustrating and, and emotionally driving us crazy? What is that inside of us? Well, you know, I think a couple of things come to mind. One thing is, is that, you know, our internal dialogue, either we are critical of ourselves or we, we just struggle to process things on our own. So we want to hear somebody else's feedback or sometimes a common issue I talk with a lot of people about, and I blame it partly on our, our digital world these days, that we're always checking our smartphones or we're always behind the computer or you have the TV on or the radio on for background noise. And we don't ever just sit in silence and, and think about things or to really focus on what's going on in our minds. And so our minds are working at 100 miles an hour all the time, but we don't give it a chance to really think through problems on our own. And I think as a result, people are much more likely to just sort of dump everything on somebody else when they run into them rather than sitting down and quietly trying to work those problems out on their own. Tell us a little bit about the latest psychological research and how it played into these observations that you've made here. Anything new happening that was breakthrough with you with your understanding of things? You know, I think that some of it was just new studies that are fairly um, fairly groundbreaking um, in terms of how our, our digital world is changing things. So, for instance, um, you know, narcissism and, and how social media is causing us to, to all become somewhat more narcissistic. We sort of, our self-esteem is based on how many likes we get on social media and uh, whether, you know, your Facebook friends, how, how your Facebook friends are doing in comparison to how you think you're doing. And that causes depression in a lot of people because you see pictures of your friends going on exotic vacations and your friends are doing things that look like their lives are wonderful. And we compare ourselves to that. And then we start to think, well, my life's not that great because we don't keep in mind that people only share the very best of what's going on in their lives, not the rest of it. But that was a huge one. And I do talk about that in my book as far as how how the digital world is, is really influencing how we see ourselves and other people, but also the world in general. Hmm. Do you think that, that, that uh, habits uh, and, and mental habits particularly are things that uh, take quite a bit of time to change? And how strategically do you recommend to your patients, particularly in your fans of the book, to, to make changes? I mean, working on all 13 at the same time is probably close to impossible. So what's, <laughs> right. what's the tactic? Well, you know, I think one of the biggest issues we have sort of when it comes to making change or, or inventing habits or get, getting rid of bad habits is there's this crazy notion that changing a habit takes either 21 days or 28 days, sort of depending on what you read. But that's based on a lot of misinterpretation of a really old study that really had nothing to do with changing habits. But it sort of caught on and left people with this thought of, okay, if I do anything for three weeks, by the end of that three-week period, my life will be miraculously different because this has become a habit and I'll do it every day without thinking twice. But that's really not how habits work. And if you think of it just from a logical standpoint, it doesn't make any sense. If I wanted to start a habit of running five miles a day, but I was going to do it at 4 a.m., that would take me a long time before that became second nature to get myself out of bed and go running for five miles before the sun came up. But if I wanted to make my habit that I was going to eat a bowl of ice cream before I went to bed, I could probably get in that habit in about two days. Yeah. And and I think when we look at habits, you know, we sort of set ourselves up for failure when we have this expectation that things will be magically different in a certain amount of time. And so, yes, I very much encourage people to figure out what's the one thing you want to work on first, and then how are you going to set a realistic goal for yourself so that you don't 
end up sabotaging yourself in the end or beating yourself up if you don't meet that goal according to the timeline that you think you should. And so I talk about this in my book too, about sort of setting a goal, writing it down, and then figuring out what does progress look like? And then to to judge your progress and to, to really say, well, am I headed in the direction I want? And to know that sometimes progress is two steps forward and one step back, but that doesn't mean you go all the way back to the beginning just because you take one step back. And number 13 on my list is that mentally strong people don't expect immediate results. And so part of it is is practicing how do I wait? How do you be patient in a world where things are no lines, no waiting, and we like instant gratification? And to know that it, it takes hard work. It's not going to happen overnight for sure. Do you believe in in actual exercises, you know, emotional strengthening exercises that could be practiced even with other people or with your significant other or you know, do, do you believe in that? Do you think there's a, there's an actual exercise, a, a, a diet, if you will, a, a, a training camp that can happen without a counselor involved? Oh, absolutely. I think, um, you know, all of us have certain things that we've learned to do, whether it be our thoughts or our behavior or even how we cope with our emotions. And so to do start doing something different, just reading my book isn't going to magically make somebody mentally strong, but you can absolutely do exercises that will increase your mental strength. And so for some people, that might be to, to train their brain to think differently. Maybe they always dwell on the negative or they tend to always have so much self-doubt that it causes them to to not make wise choices. Or for some people, it's avoiding things that are scary. So maybe they don't take any risks or they don't get out in life and, and do things that cause discomfort. So for them, it's practicing tolerating mild to moderate anxiety. And for other people, it's maybe just getting up and off the getting off the couch and, and going out and doing things differently than they've done in order to create positive change in their life. And so there really are exercises in that you have to make it a priority and decide I'm gonna get up and I'm gonna do these things today until until I start to see some change. And then it sort of has this snowball effect. Once you increase your mental strength, life gets seems to get easier and then you can co- sort of take on your newest challenge and it's like you're never done. Just like if you became physically strong and then said, wow, I never have to work out again. Well, that'd be ridiculous because your muscles would start to atrophy pretty quickly. And the same is with mental strength. If you keep exercising, you can keep growing better. Fantastic. Let's take a station break, everybody. Back in just a few minutes. Life Tips will be right back after this short break. InternetMarketingNinjas.com is the online dojo of the highly trained and skilled Internet Marketing Ninjas. Disavow documents, reconsideration requests, Panda and Penguin penalties. Let our superior SEO ninjas confront all of your link-related issues. The Internet Marketing Ninjas are equipped to master any marketing exercise, content creation, authorship, link building, PPC, and more. Plus, build more buzz for your brand with our social media marketing strategy. Discover all that the Internet Marketing Ninjas can do for you. Visit the online dojo now at InternetMarketingNinjas.com. Hi, I'm Montel Williams. Most of you know me as a talk show host, but I'm also an author, actor, single father of four, avid snowboarder, and I'm also a medical marijuana patient. Living with multiple sclerosis, I'm in pain every day. Medical marijuana is my last resort, and it helps me when all other drugs have failed. If you'd like more information about medical marijuana, you can contact the Marijuana Policy Project at mpp.org or call 1-877-JOIN-MPP. 
Introducing Rumble, the smart mobile management system, the first end-to-end mobile platform where you can make real-time app modifications from a point-and-click dashboard. Want to change the design of your app? Point-click, and it's live in real-time. Want to change the ad map of your app? Point-click, and it's live in real-time. Want to change the content mix of your app? Point-click, and it's live in real-time. Power your mobile business with Rumble. Are you ready to rumble? Visit www.rumble.me. Looking for a better way to get more traffic and interaction to your Facebook page? Imagine Facebook interactivity on your page like you've never seen. Introducing your new Facebook marketing fix, So Social, the new and revolutionary way to easily manage and automate your Facebook contests and sweepstakes. Create a fun, easy-to-win contest by writing a simple Facebook post. Watch your post go more viral and generate loads of interaction. Track your traffic and generate email lists with ease. So Social is mobile-friendly and complies with Facebook terms of service. Let So Social give your Facebook page some flash today. Zoom over to zosocial.com. And now back to Life Tips. Making your life smarter, better, faster, and wiser. Here are your hosts. Welcome back, Amy. So great to have you on the show today. Thanks for having me. Do you feel that there's a correlation between mental and physical strength, particularly with the patients that that you're talking to? In other words, if somebody's working out a lot and is, you know, really has a grasp on their their body, their body's their temple, do you find a correlation there between their mental strength? Oh, good question. You know, I think I could say both yes and no. And and by that, it's because to be mentally strong, we have to take care of our our physical bodies. If you don't get any sleep and you're always, you know, not eating healthy and you're so stressed out that you can't think straight, you're not going to be mentally strong. So you, there is a component. You have to get exercise. You have to eat a healthy diet and, and take care of your body so that you can think clearly and regulate your emotions and, and feel good about yourself. But I do think some people, are, it's to the extreme, just because if somebody's a professional bodybuilder and all their effort goes into working out all day, every day, it's not necessarily a sign that they have um, tremendous mental strength. In fact, they may have some self-esteem issues or that's how they identify who they are in life is by what they look like and could be an issue too and so I think but might not be they could be very mentally strong so I think you can't always say based on how somebody looks whether they're mentally strong or not but that there is certainly a huge mind-body connection and to be able to take care of your body takes mental strength for a lot of it too to be able to say I'm going to go uh, get a go for a walk today, even though I don't feel like it. You know, if you want to go home and sit on the couch after work because you feel tired, it takes mental strength to say, "But I'm going to go for a walk anyway." And so they do tie together, but they don't aren't always. You can't always look at somebody's physical abilities and and judge whether they're mentally strong or not. Can you diagnose mental strength <clears throat> easily yourself? and particularly all of these different, these 13 different <clears throat> strengths that people have by, by asking questions or learning how people approach problems. Can you pick up on weaknesses quickly in your analysis of people? Yeah, you know, it's interesting because you can certainly tell how do people, uh, what's their approach to life when they come up with a challenge, if they face some sort of adversity, you know, how resilient are they? Do they bounce back? Do they do they face their obstacles head on? Do they run away from them? Or how do they how do they deal with conflict in their life? Whether they, you know, yell and scream when they're offended by somebody, or do they talk it over, or do they just walk away? So it's sort of figuring out how do you 
how do you handle all of life's problems and and how's that working for you and and to know whether somebody truly has the the skills necessary to to be resilient and to be strong when they're faced with new obstacles and challenges in life too that you can get a lot just from talking to people and asking questions about their their daily routines and their habits and their beliefs about themselves and the world and other people too what can you expect when you begin to work on your strengths in terms of advancement or how your life will be better well for one you know life doesn't always go according to plan we know that and that there are days when you're going to need all the mental strength you can muster and so to be able to say, okay, I'm, I'm working on this now because I know that someday something's going to happen. Whether you lose a loved one, you get in a car accident, you lose your job, you have financial hurdles, whatever stress it is that you're going to encounter in life, that you're better prepared for that. And that doesn't mean you should walk around with a dark cloud hanging over your head expecting terrible things to happen all the time, but it just helps you to be more prepared. But also when you have your your emotions in check and you're able to think realistically it's a wonderful feeling because you feel like, okay, I can reach my greatest potential in life or I've got all the tools that I need to be able to do the things I want to do and and then I'm okay either way. So, for example, sometimes people think, well, you know, I have to be the best at everything. Otherwise, that says something about my self-worth or who I am. But when you're mentally strong, you know that no matter what happens in life, you're, you're going to be okay and that you can handle it and whether you are come in first or you come in last place, that, that you can be comfortable with who you are and you're able to live according to your values, which is another huge one because I think a lot of times people who are insecure or don't possess a lot of mental strength tend to cave into what they think other people want or how they should behave. And it's really hard to be a, a content and happy person if you're not living according to your values. And so mental strength really gives you the confidence that you can live according to your values. And then a byproduct of that is that you tend to be happier and more successful and have a more content, content way of life. Does mental energy tend to cause a, a weakness in our in our character? Or do we tend to develop weaknesses over time based upon our culture or environment or circumstances? Uh, you know, I think a lot of the habits that we learn we stem from sort of the things we've garnered from childhood, whether it be that, uh, you know, our parents taught us certain things about the world in general. or And then our experiences teaches us a lot, too, about sort of somebody thinks I'm a failure and they apply for a job and they don't get it, it just sort of reinforces, okay, I really am a failure and it can reinforce the negative thoughts. And so it's a matter of figuring out how do you sort of untrain your brain, what you've learned and apply it to to something new and to unlearn something and, and relearn sort of a new way of looking at the world is, is hard to do. And that cer- certainly takes a lot of energy, but when you're putting all of your energy into the right places, it's then you don't waste any of it and feeling sorry for yourself or worrying about things that you can't control and just incredible things can happen. Amy, we have coaches for every sport imaginable, but we don't really have coaches for life are the challenges that we go through. And when we do have coaches for life, we, we tend to be viewed in the society as, oh, you have mental problems, you're seeing a counselor. Why is that, Amy? Why doesn't it make sense to get uh, coaching, whether it be you know business coaching becoming more you know appropriate perhaps <clears throat> um, tune-ups you know why can't tune-ups become hip and popular you know mental oh, tune-ups I'm yeah. going for a mental tune-up 
Oh, wow. How exciting. I hope your carburetors run better. I mean, I don't know. But do you have thoughts on that? You know, I do. And I'm so happy you asked that question because I wish that going for a checkup, like you go to your doctor to get your body checked out. I wish that it was much the same when it when it comes to our mental health, that you could go just get a checkup because sometimes you don't you don't know that maybe you're thinking all doom and gloom thoughts until you have an objective person to point it out to you or for somebody to say, hey, maybe this isn't isn't the healthiest thing that you're doing right here. And that could do wonders for us, but there is sort of that stigma attached to talking to somebody. And and I think that's unfortunate. And I think there's also a stigma where people think they equate mental strength with with mental health. And they think, well, if you're mentally strong, then you can't possibly have a mental illness. But truth be known, plenty of people who are depressed or have an anxiety disorder are still very mentally strong. They're still applying wonderful habits to their life and they're getting rid of bad habits. It's just that maybe they have a genetic predisposition for one of those things and and they can't help it. But that doesn't mean that they're mentally weak. But unfortunately, I think we sort of attach this idea that if you talk to somebody that it must mean that you're mentally weak. Whereas I think seeking help certainly is a is a sign of strength or just checking in with somebody to say, hey, how am I doing? What a strong person you have to be to even ask that question versus trying to convince everybody that no and yourself no I'm fine I don't I don't need any help or I don't need to ask anybody any questions or anything like that so I think in a perfect world that would happen that everybody would have a a checkup just like you have a checkup with your doctor and we could check in with somebody and and just make sure that we're on the right path and if we're have some problems somebody could point it out and we could work together to come up with a solution and there wouldn't be that stigma attached to it within that approach and by the way i can't wait for you to open up the first clinic for that count the sign i'm driving <laughs> i'm driving up to maine to go in for my checkup on my on my way to bar harbor <laughs> great uh, um the uh, but uh, do, do you feel that, that self-diagnosis is possible and also self-prescription for some of these problems? I mean, can we lighten up, if you will, with, with understanding the mistakes that we make, the habits we've formed, recognizing that, hearing that, even from a, from a linguistic uh, you know, analysis of what we're saying? You know, we, we talk into Siri, our phones. Can, can Siri someday analyze our thinking behavior <laughs> and, and say, chill out. You're being too hard on yourself. You know, don't expect immediate results. Chill out, Byron. I mean, I would love that, right? But do you think, I guess my original question was, do you think that self-diagnosis is possible and also self-prescription in, in developing a better habit and a better, better way to approach that? Yeah, I absolutely think it's possible, you know, because the way that our current system works, you know, basically you have to have a mental health pr- you have to have a mental illness in order to get your insurance company to to cover you to go to therapy. So you have to be diagnosed with major depression or something like that. So for a lot of people, if they don't qualify, then it, they, they can't pay for it anyway. So that's sort of where the, the self-help industry comes in to be able to say, well, if if you don't have a a major problem that you need to talk to somebody with, or if that's not an option, what can you do on your own? And and luckily, the internet has been invented, and we can all do lots of random Google searches on things. But also, you know, to read, to just sort of uh, expand your world, to know well, just because I think this way, how do other people think? And to know, just to recognize that other people maybe think differently, or other people cope with their emotions in a different way than you do, can often be really eye-opening for people. Because somebody that grew up in a family where everybody always yelled at each other, when they finally get married someday, and they 
get introduced to other families and they think, oh, that's not how you solve problems. So just sort of getting out there and doing stuff can be a, a wonderful way to recognize that our own way of doing things might not be the, the only way to do it or it's not the the best way to do it. And so just being open to self-awareness and being open to figuring out how other people do do things and then being willing to say, well, how do I grow stronger and, and become better and what changes could I make that, that might make my life better? Um, and yeah, and then I think down the road, we will have more of those apps that will tell you <laughs> how you're doing and, and give you a prescription on based on, you know, if you're thinking this way or if this is your social media activity, maybe you have some self-esteem problems. I'm sure there'll be all sorts of things down the road that will <laughs> try to give us advice in one direction or another. Great stuff, Amy. What other question, and that's that's what I call sort of a, do you, do you feel like a, a mental a mentor would be something you could you could ever uh, see in, in our in, in both the workplace and, and how we deal with issues and stress um, and, and, and having a leader to, to show us good examples of how to have, pro, you know, how to solve problems? Yeah, I think that's a, a huge thing is to just, you know, again, open people's eyes to different ways of doing things. And as a therapist, you know, I've spent years sitting in an office talking to people one-on-one. -on -one, and now I just love the fact that I was able to write this book and to have people from being translated in 23 or 25 languages. And so there's people from all over the world who get to read it. And then I get the opportunity. I do speak to corporations and businesses and that sort of thing just to give them strategies and ideas on how to build a mentally strong company. How do you make your employees mentally strong? That sort of thing. Because I think I mean, who doesn't want to grow better or who doesn't want to become stronger? And so I think all the steps we can take to say, what do I do to, to better myself? Then um, the world will be a better place. <laughs> How has your life changed, Amy, since the monstrous success of, of the original article you wrote, um, but, but now the book? Um, do you have new stresses that have been placed upon you? Do <laughs> has, <laughs> you need – if you uh, – Invented number 14 yet of the things that mentally <laughs> strong people don't do based upon the success you've had? Well, it has certainly been a whirlwind. Let's see, the article came out in November of 2013. And so since then, I, you know, I got a book deal shortly after the article came out, spent a lot of time furiously writing this book and then working on the, the audio book and then marketing the book. And then it's opened all sorts of new doors for speaking engagements and opportunities and writing opportunities for magazines and that sort of thing. And so it's a, a different sort of busy than when I was just sitting in an office um, for 40 hours a week. But it's been incredible experience. And I, I've had so much fun doing it that um, I'm just thrilled with that article that I was able to experience an article that went viral that in itself was extremely exciting but to be able to write a book that's going to be available all over the world is just incredible so your one of one of your your theories of don't expect immediate results does not is not exactly applicable in this in this in this case well, what a lot of people don't know is I started writing for the web for extra money after I was widowed. So I was 26 and a half or 27 at the time. And so I'd been writing articles for years um, on the side. And certainly, you know, I can't even count how many thousands of articles I've written that never went viral. And I wouldn't have expected this one to, obviously, but um, what a wonderful thing that it did. And so because I have a lot of people say, well, how do you write a viral article? Like, well, there's no real secret sauce or a secret formula to do it. And if you sit down and try to write a viral article, I guarantee it's not going to happen. <laughs> but that I did write for years and years and that uh, it just took that one article, but that certainly wasn't my first one. 
Well, Amy, I want to thank you for being on the show today. This was a lot of fun chatting with you, and we all learned a lot. Thanks much. Well, thanks for having me. Tell us a little bit about where we can get a hold of your of your uh, book and, and the, the official name of the book. Of course, people are reading it as they're tuning into the show, but go ahead and talk about that a little bit. Um, it's called 13 Things Mentally Strong People Don't Do, and the subtitle is Take Back Your Power, Embrace Change, Face Your Fears, and Train Your Brain for Happiness and Success. It's available in most major bookstores from Barnes & Noble to Books A Million to Powell's, and it's at Target as well. And of course, it's online at Amazon and lots of the other major bookstores as well. Your your title alone, people can learn from. So thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, really great once again having you on the show. Thanks, Amy. Well, thank you. Appreciate it. Until next week, everyone, hope your life's a little smarter, better, faster, and wiser. Thanks to Amy. Thanks for tuning in. See you next week. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.WebmasterRadio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.